greet you all in the name of Jesus. It's good to be here this morning. I appreciate that song. If there was ever something to be thankful for, it's, it's that love that lifted, lifted us out of, out of sin and, and has given us life. Now I was looking at your, at your whiteboard over there. You see this big list of things, and I, I assume that y'all wrote that up there Wednesday night, things to be thankful for. Um, we have a lot to be thankful for. Well, there's a family in Pennsylvania uh, who had a different kind of Thanksgiving. Not one that they would have planned, not one that they would have expected. And some of y'all may have heard about this. Uh, about a week and a half ago, Wes and Heidi Schrock buried their five-year-old little girl. Only a week before, Jackie was a beautiful, healthy vivacious little girl, but then she got a mild respiratory infection, nothing to be alarmed about, something that most of us experience. Well, a few days later, she began to develop a mild cough with her runny nose, and then Wednesday the 12th, just a, a few weeks ago, uh, she didn't feel like eating all of her dinner, and her cough was becoming more, more barking. similar to a cough that she had last winter. <clears throat> and then she began to develop a low-grade fever. And these are, these are not things that we would normally be alarmed with, just routine winter illnesses. But Wednesday night, she had a really rough night, and Thursday morning they took her to um, a clinic where they gave her breathing treatment and oral steroids for croup. And her dad went on to work. Well, about an hour and a half later, he got a call from his wife that Jackie had gotten much worse. Her, um, her respirations had increased significantly and she was getting listless. So they, he rushed home and they took her to the ER. They had her in the ER in about 10 minutes where they immediately started fluids and antibiotics. An x-ray showed a huge right multibar pneumonia. They started two more powerful antibiotics, and the decision was made to transfer her to Pittsburgh. They would have used the helicopter, but the weather was bad. And while they were waiting for the transport ambulance, they intubated her and placed a small right chest tube uh, to drain fluid, and she seemed to be stabilizing. They placed her on an ambulance stretcher. Her dad kissed her forehead and told her for the last time that he loved her, and they were off. He hopped in the truck to follow them to Pittsburgh, and 15 minutes later he received a call that the ambulance had to turn around because Jackie was not doing well. So dad turned around and headed back to the hospital in shock. And when he arrived, they were doing, uh, they were attempting resuscitation. And after 30 minutes, they allowed them to stop. And their five little, five-year-old little girl was gone. Not the kind of day that we wake up planning for. 
You know, death is not something that we are accustomed to dealing with. It's not something that we schedule into our lives, especially not the death of one of our little ones. A few years ago, I was doing a job, um, working on a job in a, in a, with another fellow. He was on the, the rescue squad, and he had a pager, so he got all the pages when there was accidents and so on. Well, there was an accident about a half a mile up the road, and he asked if I'd like to run up there and see how bad it was. So we jumped in his car, and, or maybe it was in my pickup, and we drove up the road, up, up Route 8, uh, right to the end of the road where our church is at, and there was, a, there was a, an accident there. So we turned in, we turned around and came back to the stop sign. By that time, they had the road blocked off. There was a lady who was driving toward Floyd. And right there, kind of at the top of a hill, she crossed the center line and right into the front of an oncoming truck. And it was a big truck. I don't remember if it was a tractor trailer or a big straight truck. And she was killed instantly. And I just remember sitting there, looking at the scene, they had the crash unit came out. They had to cut the body out of the car. They had thrown a sheet over the car. The doctor showed up on scene and pronounced her dead. You know, I really doubt that woman, when she got up that morning, that she considered that today is my last day. I, don't, I really don't think she thought that. <clears throat> And when she walked out her door, she didn't realize that she would not walk back in. As she was driving south on Route 8, past the breadbasket, I'm sure she didn't think about the fact that in about a quarter mile, my life will be over. As I sat there, uh, I wondered, what is that lady experiencing now? She's crossed over. Now she's in eternity. Her life is over. What is she experiencing? If you would turn to Hebrews chapter 10, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 9, in the last two verses, and I've entitled this message, The Appointment, and that's taken from verse 27 of Hebrews chapter 9, The Appointment, I'd like to read these two verses, verse 27 and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. I'm sure we've all heard that 
that little saying, there's two, two things certain in life. Well, there's really one thing that is certain in life, and it doesn't have anything to do with the IRS. Death is a certainty. Each one of us has an appointment. And that's an appointment that is sure. There's no getting around it. There's no calling up the receptionist. Hello, I would like to cancel my appointment. It's not going to suit. It's not, we can't do that. The appointment is not one that we have set up. It's not one that we have asked for. But God himself has appointed this event, event for you and I. It's fixed, it's sure, and it will happen. It will come to pass. We don't tend to think about death often. We don't tend to talk about it very often, especially for young people. Death seems very far away, doesn't it? Young people, have you considered that your life may not may not go on for a long time? There's no guarantee that you'll get to be as old as Granddaddy or Brother Ed. There's no guarantee of that. Have you considered recently that you may face the death of a loved one soon? Or possibly a neighbor. Your neighbors have appointments as well. I think it's human tendency to fall into the mindset that As things have been, they will continue to be. My life, I'm healthy. My life has been fine. I've got my wife's healthy. My children are healthy. My neighbors are healthy. My church is healthy. And it will just continue to be that way. But that's not the way things go. James 4, verse 13 uh, through verse 15 says, Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on on the morrow, for what is your life that is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away? For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Because the reality is, we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. It could be a normal day, but it could also be the day for my appointment. It could be the day for your appointment or a loved one's appointment. Think about life as, you all know what a conveyor belt is. That's something we can all picture. A conveyor belt is, is something that things are put on and it moves them along. Well, that conveyor belt goes along and then at some point it turns back under and comes back to here so it can keep going in a circle, right? Well, think about your life in context of that conveyor belt. We are all put on that conveyor belt. 
and it's moving. The conveyor belt is always moving. Moving to the end. Some of us are put on the conveyor belt way back here, 95 years from the end. Some are placed on the conveyor belt days from the end. Jackie was put on the conveyor belt five years from the end. We don't know where we're at on that conveyor belt. We don't see the end, but we're moving toward it. Just something for us to consider. One of these days will be your last. One morning, mother, you may drop your children off at school and never return to pick them up. One day, you may walk out the door for work and never come back through that door. Young person, one day you may leave the youth volleyball game and never make it home. One night you may go to sleep and never wake up. I had to think of Pablo's daughter, Jessica, and her husband a number of years ago. A normal day, they went to bed, and he died that night. Unexpected. The possibility of death is very real, and it's going to happen for each one of us. The world's population is estimated to be just a little over 7.2 billion people, and that's a number that's hard to fathom. Well, think about this. The next 90 to 100 years, they'll all be gone. And there'll be a new population. 7.2 billion appointments. One of them is yours and one of them is mine. One of them is your wife's. One of them is your child's. One of them is your brothers and sisters, your neighbors. How much does this reality affect the way I live? each day of my life. Do I forget that the end is coming for me and for you, for for my neighbor? Talking about death may be a bit morbid and kind of dark. And maybe for some of us it's painful. It's a painful thing to think about. You know, it's not easy to experience the death of a loved one. Probably a lot of us here have. It's a painful thing. In fact, just for curiosity's sake, how many of you here, let's raise your hand, how many of you here have lost a spouse? Anybody? Two, at least. How about a parent? Raise your hand. Quite a few. How about a child? Number. I should have raised my hand on parent. Death is painful. It's not an easy thing to experience, to go through. Death of a loved one. But none of us here have experienced it for ourselves. Well, what is death? What is it all about? There's a lot of confusion about what death is. 
and what comes after death. Wikipedia says death is the termination of all biological functions that sustain a, a living organism, and I think that's right for looking at death in a physical way. Many people believe that death is the termination of existence, and then after, the, after death there's, there's nothing. Many people believe that after death there is an existence. And that after the passing of the body that consciousness continues on and, and uh, is released to the universe. A very new age way of believing. We know that's not right. What does the Bible have to say about what death is? Turn it, if you would, to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, says this. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. <clears throat> well, I think that verse pretty clearly tells us what death is all about. Death is a penalty. Death, is, death comes as a result of sin. Where there is sin, there is death. They go together. Sin and death go together. I'd like for us to understand that this morning. Now, if you would, turn your Bibles back to Genesis chapter 1. We're not going to read anything in Genesis chapter 1. But I would like for you to answer this question. Is there death in chapter 1 of Genesis? Somebody, is there any death in Genesis chapter 1? This is not a trick question. It's not some deep theological something. No, there's no death in Genesis chapter 1. God created the world. It was perfect. There was no sin. There was no death in Genesis chapter 1. What about in Genesis chapter 2? Is there death in Genesis chapter 2? Somebody? Say that again. No. No, no death in Genesis chapter 2. That's right. But death is mentioned in Genesis chapter 2 in uh, verse 17. God told Adam about that tree in the middle of the garden. And he said, don't eat of that tree because when you eat of that tree, the day that you eat of that tree, that you'll die. So death is mentioned in chapter 2 as a warning. Don't, don't eat of that tree. Don't sin, because if you do, you'll die. Well, in Genesis chapter 3, we know the story well. Satan came, tempted them. They took of the tree. And did they die? Yes, they died. Immediately, I believe, they died spiritually. You know, when God came back to the garden to walk in the garden, Adam and Eve hid themselves. That's spiritual death. Separation from God. 
But then, of course, God had to expel them from the garden, push them out of his presence. That's spiritual death. And then in verse, uh, verse 19, it says this, Till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. There's physical death. Both spiritual and physical death are a result of sin. Penalty from sin, for sin. So in Genesis chapter 2, we have the forewarning of death. In Genesis chapter 3, it comes into the world as the reality for mankind. And as we read through the Bible from one end all the way through, there's just sin and there's death and there's sin and there's death all the way through. Death, the King James Bible uses the word death 372 times. That's a lot. The word die 321 times. The word dead 364 times. There's just a lot of death that's mentioned here. All the way through, all the way through, sin and death. And that's been the experience of mankind even today. And it will continue to be. But does sin and death go all the way to the end of the Bible? Revelation Well, let me read this verse first. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So this is something that's a reality for all of us, and will continue to be until. Revelation chapter 20, the third chapter from the end of the Bible. Again, reading at verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Verse 12 and 13 there is talking about the judgment. Remember that verse I read in the beginning? Once appointed, is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. This is the judgment that each, every person will, will face. The books are opened. Verse 14 and 15. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. The second death. We see God gathering up all the things that pertain unto sin and ungodliness, including death, including the grave, including all that, and casting it into the lake of fire and doing away with it. That's the end. That's the end of death and of sin right there. 
If you look into chapter 21, the second chapter from the end of the Bible, verse 3 and 4 read, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God, which is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. No more death, it's over. And I love that restoration. The exact opposite of what we read about in, in Genesis with a spiritual death and a pushing out of God's presence. Here we have spiritual life and, a, and an eternity in the presence of God. They shall be his people. He will dwell with them, it says in three, and he shall be. Um, let me read that. And he shall dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. I think that's beautiful. Eternal life. So what is death? You know, I think often I've thought of death kind of as a coming to an end. But as, as I studied this subject, I came to realize that in the Bible at least, and for people, when... when when the Bible talks about spiritual death or the death, uh, physical death of people, it's not talking about a, an end or a termination. It is talking about a separation. Spiritual death is a separation from God. And physical death is a separation of our soul from our physical bodies. Separation. Ecclesiastes 12.7 says, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return to God who gave it. Separating of the spirit or the soul from, from the body. The spirit lives on for eternity. The soul never ceases to exist. Consciousness never ceases. Now we could look at the uh, story that Jesus told of, of the rich man and Lazarus after they died. How the rich man, well, I guess Lazarus died first. And where did he find himself? He was, he was in a place of, of rest, of peace, of joy in the presence of the saints. A blessed place to be. And the rich man, after his death, he found himself in a place of torment, of pain, of suffering of loneliness, separation. Where will your soul reside after your death? Something very important for us to think about. You know, the fact that our souls are eternal, the fact that after death there's a judgment, gives the, this life that we have a tremendous weight of importance. 
and the death that we're facing, it makes that of great importance as well. Death is like a fixative. If you're an artist, you probably know what a fixative is. If you're doing a pencil drawing or a chalk drawing or something like that, and you get your picture to a place where you want to protect it from smearing or from being erased, you can spray fixative on it, and that locks it in place. You can't change it. I guess you can add to it, but you can't erase it. You can't change what's there. You know, I think death is like a fixative. When death happens, the life that we've been living is fixed. The direction we've been going is fixed. Our eternal destiny is fixed. It can't be changed. There's no being born again after death. There's no repentance after death. There's no changing of allegiance after death. There's no apologies to be made after death. There's no forgiving to be done after death. There's no paying of debt after death. Death is a fixative. But we know that death is coming for each one of us. How should we prepare? How should we prepare, first of all, for our own death? We'll think about that for a few minutes. But first and foremost, I would say that we've got to take care of our eternal soul. That's, that's number one in preparation for our death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Is your name written in the book of life? That's, that's, the, prime, that's the most important thing that you and I can do to prepare for our appointment. Another thing we can we need to consider is to put our lives in order. And that can mean, mean a lot of things. But just make sure that there's nothing that is left undone that should be done before your death. Such as forgiving people. And the Bible has some things to say about bitterness and the effect that has on the soul. Confession and repentance. Apologies, restitution, the list could go on and on. Things that should be done, that need to be done before that moment comes. What about the needs of your family? Men, consider especially as a young father. What happens if you die? Have you talked to your wife about what she should do in case that happened? Do you have a will in place? What if mom and dad both die and there's children left behind? What happens to the children? Where do they go? How, do they, how are they taken care of? If you're a business owner, what happens to the business? These might seem like not that important things, but in the case of death, they're really important things. 
to think about. Now, I guess I feel like death isn't something that we should shy away from talking about. Don't be superstitious and think that if I write a will with my wife that we're just setting ourselves up for some catastrophe. Because that's not, that's not the case. Death is something that's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. There's, we need to prepare and to plan for that, for that event. You know, there's a lot of effort put into retirement and planning ahead for that and, and uh, all that stuff. But that's fine. But the reality of it is death is much more of a reality than retirement because our life could come short. We may never reach that. So let's not be afraid of talking about it and planning for it. <clears throat> I guess it boils down to this. How do I prepare myself? Is just to live each day as if it could be my last day. Husband, have you ever hurt your wife with harsh words? Maybe there was an argument or something and, and your wife is hurt and you left the house and went to work for the day without taking care of that. Do you want to die that way? The last thing your wife remembers about you, a hurt that you can't ever go back and fix? Just something to think about. We need to live each moment. I don't think we need to go through life consciously thinking about, well, I might die, I might die, I might die. I don't think that's God's plan for us at all. But live each moment of our lives in a way that if my time comes, that there's not things that should have been taken care of. Am I doing right with my children? <clears throat> Teaching them, loving them, affirming them, so that if my life is snatched away, that there's not things that I should have been, should have been doing. How about the way I'm relating to the church? So on, the list could go on. Now, some people talk about leaving their mark in this world, and I think that's something that, that is okay to consider. It's good to consider. The question is, where do you want to leave your mark? I guess I would like to challenge us to reach for the highest. My desire is not for my glory, but for the glory of Christ to leave my mark on the souls of, e of people, on eternal souls around me. Because that's where, that's where our mark really counts. Well, how do we prepare for the death of a loved one? There's not really that much preparing that we can do other than what I've just talked about. Live each day in a way that 
when they're gone, we don't have regrets. Do what we can as we live with them and that we push them towards, towards God. That's what, that's what we need to be doing. How do we prepare for our neighbor's death? And I'm not sure um, really what I'll say here, but our neighbors have an appointment. They're facing, they're facing the judgment. Is there something that we should be doing? There was a carpet man that I used to work with some. He laid carpet in our house at the church and I used him on jobs and so on. And he was not a Christian. He was an old man. And I liked, I liked Donnie. He was, a, he was a, uh, a friendly man. I enjoyed being with him. He was at our house to uh, make a little repair. And I can't remember for sure, but I, I think while he was there, I was only with him for a few minutes, that I may have had this little feeling that maybe I should talk to him about the Lord. But I didn't. I let the opportunity slip away. And two weeks later, there was a funeral. Donnie was gone. He uh, had a heart attack. He went out to get, a, get some firewood and collapsed on the ground. He was gone. Are there things that we should be doing, people we should be talking to, neighbors, because they have an appointment? Well, it's time to bring this to a close. But I would like to just look at Paul for a few minutes here. If you turn to Philippians chapter 1. I don't want to end on a on a sad note because for the Christian, death is not something that we need to be afraid of. Paul had a clear understanding about what life was all about and what death was all about. And he says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 20 through 24, this is Paul writing, he says, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Paul's, Paul's whole purpose for living was to bring glory to Christ. He wanted to magnify Christ, whether by life or by death. They're, they were the same to him. Let's continue to read. Verse 21, he says, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what, shall I, what I shall choose I want not, for I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. I think Paul had just a beautiful grasp on what he had coming after he passed through that, that door of death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Christ has overcome. 
Christ has overcome death. He's died for sin that we can be made clean. He's overcome the power of death and we can have eternal life by faith in him. In closing, I'd like to read a few verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. For when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brethren, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know, I think that when someone comes to the end of life as a Christian and their testimony is clear, I think fellow Christians, through our tears, we can raise our hands in rejoicing that this person has made it to the end and he's crossed over. Think of death as a birth. It's, it's being birthed from something, from life as we know it here, which is pretty bad, and to, to life eternal that's, that's so far superior in the presence of God. We don't need to fear death, brothers, sisters, because of what Christ has done. Death is swallowed up in victory.